Um, I was just talking to uh, Joe and I was wondering about Mother's Day. Did I do a Mother's Day message or the normal message that I've, I've got? Something that's been on my heart for a little while. And yeah, she's sort of saying, well, if it's there, you should probably bring that. And then uh, last night, Brianna showed me a picture on her phone that just really confirmed that that was okay. And I know that there's a picture of a vine and, it, and the words, you know, I'm the vine. I'm the true vine and you are the branches. And this is really what I wanted to talk to us about today, the vine and the branch. And about actually abiding in Christ, what it means. Um, because as I went through it, I've been really thinking about it a lot this week. And I talked to Matt Koenig on Friday and we were looking at John 15. And uh, it's just amazing the amount of stuff that's in that one little passage that we're going to look at in a minute um, about the vine and the branch, about abiding in him. What does it actually mean? And do you know what? If we actually listen to this, it'll change your life. It'll change your Christian life if you listen and then do what he wants us to do. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you, Father, that you are the husbandman, you're the gardener, Lord, and you have great pleasure in us, your children. Jesus, you're the vine. Help us to remain connected. Today, Lord, as, as this word goes out, Father, I just pray that it will produce change in us, Lord, that we will just know something different today, that we will go away with something that makes us really think and consider where we are and who we are in Christ, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to firstly read uh, from John chapter 15. We'll go through that. And there's a couple of words there that I really want to look at. And honestly, I'm telling you right now, if we practice this, it'll change our life because the promises that are in this passage are just absolutely astounding, absolutely astounding. If we grab hold of these promises, this will change our Christian walk in an amazing way. So we're looking at John chapter 15. And what I'm going to be doing is reading from... Verse 1, right through to verse 17, and then going back over it. It's Jesus talking. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. It will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends, since I've told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask 
for ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. So we've got a whole passage here talking about the vine and the branch and the gardener and, and all those sorts of things. And obviously Jesus is using this to show us a picture of our Christian life or at the time the disciples. The absolute importance of being uh, remaining and abiding in the vine and what I want to look at is what does that actually mean. You see what he's saying now is that if you don't do this, if you don't stay in the vine, you're not going to produce any fruit at all, nothing. In fact, it talks about the branch that doesn't bear the fruit, being cut off, withering away and being burnt in the fire. It becomes a useless thing. And this is what we want to look at as Christians. Where are we? Are we actually abiding in God's love? Are we abiding in Christ? Are we saying, yes, my identity, everything of who I am is wrapped up in Christ? And this is really important because we know how many things that Christ is for us. Firstly, he's our righteousness. In him, we have righteousness. We have a right standing before God. He is our peace. When we remain in Christ, he is our peace. He is our joy. When we remain in Christ, we have authority on this earth. And, and uh, Kylie gave a testimony this morning of how Lyle was like, well, I'm going to take authority over what is happening in this household. Why can he do that? Because he is in Christ and Christ, it says, is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. The right hand saying the place of authority. And what did Jesus say? You have that authority on earth. In fact, the Bible says that the least member of the body of Christ has authority over Satan. The least member. Remember where Satan is? He's being trampled under the foot of Christ. Where is body? The lowest member of the body of Christ has authority over Satan. We are seated with him in heavenly places, the Bible says. So what does that mean? It means that we are now with him, in him. However, however, there is a small matter of us remaining and abiding in Christ. Because it was when we were actually in Christ that these things become real in our life. So I just thought, this fruit tree here produces the most beautiful plums. Am I lying? Yes, I am. <laughs> There's no plum trees up here. But we're using illustration. And I thought today, I went out to that tree out there and I picked off some nice juicy plums and ate them. And I was like, you know what? I really like those plums. So what I'm going to do, you can't eat the fruit of it. What are they called? Melastoma. There you go. Are you sure? Okay, <laughs> a melastoma fruit, there you go. So I can eat those fruit. And so what I'm sort of thinking of is this tree produces so much good fruit, what I'm going to do is just snap a branch off it and I'm going to take it home and I'm going to put it on my kitchen bench and I'm just going to get the fruit that's coming. Is it going to work? Why not? It's not going to work. It's not attached to the tree. There's no life flowing into that branch, okay? Does that make sense? There's no life flowing into that branch. What is the fruit that we are meant to produce? What's the fruit that we are meant to produce? 
the fruit that we produce is actually fruit that is meant to accomplish much for the propagation of Christianity. This sounds very fancy. And its future. And to accomplish much in the souls of men. Because sometimes we wonder, what is this fruit? What is it that I'm actually meant to be producing? And how do I produce it? How do I actually do something for God? We've been talking about our purpose. But how does this become fruitful in our life? How does my purpose actually start to bear fruit? We know this, that it has to be connected to the tree, the vine, which is Christ, and the gardener is God, which is amazing. But you see, the fruit that we produce is nothing of ourself, is it? The Bible says here, in this passage here, that the fruit tree cannot produce fruit of its own. Without God, without him, you can do nothing. You can actually actually accomplish nothing without him. And so we are now, now being told that we need to somehow be in Christ to produce fruit. The fruit that we produce is actually beneficial for his kingdom. It's a fruit that, that gives hope to others. It's a, it's a fruit that advances the cause of Christ. It, it helps the souls of men. It, it gives them life and hope and strength and us. The fruit of the Spirit start to become evident in our life. So we get things like long-suffering, joy and peace and, and all those sorts of fruits coming in our life. But the fruit will not be produced if it is not attached to the tree. If it is not abiding in the tree, if it is not connected to Christ, if it is not in fellowship with him, and I want to look at that in a second because it is so important what it says. In fact, when I read what it actually meant, I was so excited. I was like, Joe, come and listen to this. Poor old Joe. She has to come and listen to everything that I discover. <laughs> but I'm sure it's good for her too. I'm sure it is. But there are times in our life where we find that we are not who God wants us to be, aren't there? Has anyone just had those days where you wake up, you're just angry at everyone, the world sucks, you're just not happy with life? It's just all wrong. There's no joy, there's no song in your heart. There's a really good chance that for some reason you are not abiding in Christ. Quite often it's because you've stopped the fellowship, you've stopped prayer life, you've stopped meeting with other Christians, you've stopped reading the Word of God, you've stopped crying out, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to know today. And you'll wake up with a whole list of things to do which you should be turning into a prayer list where you're saying to God, this is what I've got to do today. Help me in this. And you'll find that everything in you just isn't God. And the Bible talks about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. The fruit of the spirit, which comes from God, which is good and wonderful. It comes from him and the works of the flesh. You see, the things that are bad in our life aren't punishment from God. You're not angry because of God. You're not in a desperate situation because God wants it that way. 
The Bible says that the result of sin is death. That hasn't changed. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we're going to heaven. But if we don't start to live that life where we are abiding in his vine, where we're starting to obey his commandments, why? Because when we obey his commandments, we walk in his love. We walk in his love. But they're a result of our disobedience, not God's punishment. It says the results of the flesh are these things. The results of sin is death still in our life. But we are meant to be alive to Christ and remaining in him. What does that actually mean? Firstly, our responsibility. Because there's two different abidings here. One is that we're abiding in him. And the other is that he's abiding in us. Is there a difference? Absolutely. You see, we're not God. We actually don't really have the power without him to do anything. We've read that. To change the way our life's going, to change the things that are happening, to get the results we're meant to have. So our responsibility is this. We are abiding if we do not depart if we don't leave, if we continue to be present, if we maintain unbroken fellowship with him. Listen to that. That's what abiding actually means for us. You see, we have a responsibility. The two things there were we are meant to abide in him and he will abide in us. Can I just ask you right now, when other times you don't produce fruit in your life, when you're not advancing God's kingdom, where you don't see the fruits of the Spirit coming? And many Christians will blame a church, they'll blame a partner, they'll blame their kids, they'll blame their parents, they'll blame society, whatever it is, as to why things just aren't happening in their life spiritually. But quite often, if not always, these people are in and out of church they're in and out of their prayer life. They're in and out of their devotional life. And being unbroken means that it's continuous. This is the state we have to get into as Christians, where we're saying, okay, I'm not going to leave. The story of in Acts, excuse me, that we read today. With Ian. What did Jesus say? Go to Jerusalem. Remain there until. Remain there until the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Remain there until. And there's something about us being patient, but being consistent and waiting until. The abiding faith, the abiding hope that's in us, looking forward to what God is going to do without breaking that fellowship, without saying, well, that's enough. I'm, you know, I'm off now. Come back again and now uh, three or four months later, well, God, you still haven't done it. Never once continuing in that place of prayer, of faithfulness to God. Remain there until... You might say, well, I haven't seen a breakthrough in my life. Remain there until. Well, plan A is not working. I prayed it didn't happen. We'll go to plan B, which is pray until it happens. And plan C, which is non-existent because plan B comes straight into effect. Pray until it happens. 
Remain until. Keep going. Don't give up. Stay in that place. And why? Because when we abide in him, when we take that time to give ourselves to him, something amazing happens. The Bible says he begins to abide in us. Now, this is a different sort of abide. This is an exciting abide because this is the abide that will change your life because it is God starting to work inside of you, not you deciding to try and do your own thing, produce your own fruit in your life. Listen to this. His responsibility, his abiding, it says this, something has established itself permanently in my soul and always exerts its power in me. Continually operating in me, through him, by his divine influence and energy. That's quite a mouthful. But man, is that important. You see, when God abides in us, it's not like he just visits us. It's not like we set up a guest room for him and, and at times he can come and, and do some stuff in, his, in our life. There's a big difference, isn't there? If I'm abiding in your house, that means I'm there. I'm the house guest you always wanted. <laughs> and I'm staying. I'm not going. But what if God starts to do that in our life? And he promises he will. In fact, he said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit, another one. He'll be just like me. And he'll come and live in you. The Holy Spirit living in you. But when he comes to live inside of us, it's not just that he's with us. It's not just like he's just walking alongside of us. It's not like he just gives us good advice, which of course he does. But it's established permanently in my soul and always exerts the power in me. You see, God is working on the inside of us now. Where are his temple? True? And we together are also his temple. So when he comes to abide in us, it's not just to be with us. This is something different. This is something amazing. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit. And where there's an exerting a, a divine influence on your life. Who could do with some divine influence? Me. <laughs> Certainly could do with it. But when he starts to change and transform you, this is from the roots which are fed by God because he's the gardener. He's the one who waters, protects, nourishes, gives the fertilizer, supplies everything that, that, that's needed for that plant to grow strong. And out of Jesus Christ, who we are now hidden in, we are in him, out of him, out of his life flow, flows the nutrients, flows the sap, flows the, the water that we need as a branch to produce fruit. Isn't that wonderful? Because no longer are we relying on ourselves, but we are relying on that inward change, the nature, the very nature of who we are being changed and transformed into the image of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? 
that he wants to do that. He wants to come and dwell, exert a supernatural divine influence on your life. And this changes everything. It is when we get to that place, in this passage twice it says this, you can ask whatever you want. Anything. Whatever you want. You'll get it. Does it say that? Does it really say that? Absolutely. Does that blow you away a little bit? You see, there's things in your life and, you, and, and we struggle so often thinking that, will, will God, will he? But when we abide in him, when he abides in us, there's a transformation, there's a change, there's a confidence, there's an expectation because we understand who he is. It's his life coming into us. We start to get this confidence. We know we're in the right place. We're, we're with God. We're not going to ask amiss. We're not going to ask selfish prayers. We're going to ask and we're going to get it. Whatever you ask. Just think about that. Whatever you ask. But can God do it for me? Of course he can. Whatever. Whatever you ask. Whatever. This is the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing with some small miracles happening. Every miracle is a big miracle, but you understand what I'm saying. When we start to get to that place where we're living in Christ, you ask whatever you want, individually. What about as a body? As Ian was saying this morning, the power of one. When we get together and we're all abiding in that place, we're all living in Christ and we, we know he's living in us as a body. Ask me anything. Of course, it is conditional on us abiding in that vine, being in that place with him. And it's not because he doesn't want to do it. But you see, we're not Jesus. We're human. He was human, but he didn't sin. He was God and man, somehow amazingly combined together. He lived his life so we could live ours. He died the death so we could be forgiven. He was raised to new life so we could be raised to new life. And everything that he did, we were partakers of. And that's what it means. We're in Christ. Everything. And in, in, in verse 15 of that, that scripture there, you see there's a transition that starts to take place. If you read that. I don't call you servants any longer. You're my friends. You're my friends. You're my friends. And this is what happens. You don't start as a friend. Maybe even when you first get saved, there's that sort of servant thing. He's my God and, you know, I love him. But God says, you're now my friends because my friends, that's what... I reveal things to my friends. I tell them everything. And as you spend time with him, there's that transition can take place in your life as well. 
where you'll say, hey, wait a minute, I'm no longer just a servant. I'm a friend because I can see his Holy Spirit is teaching me, showing me things, helping me, and I'm coming into that friendship with Christ. So, of course, we get more confident because we know who God is and we know who we are. We know our relationship with him as well. Jesus knew that relationship. We don't. We don't. We're imperfect. We're not like him. We really aren't. But he's the model that we aspire to, to say, well, this is what Jesus did. And Jesus said, look, whatever I'm doing, you can do. And even greater things than this. But Jesus was so connected to the Father, and that's why it worked. He said, I'm just doing everything that God tells me. Well, we don't, do we? Is there anyone here who does everything that God tells them? Every single day, none. None of us. But we can move towards that, can't we? Can't we aspire to be like him? Can't we, with his divine influence on the inside, change to be more like him, to grow in faith, to grow in favour, to grow in love, to grow in hope, to grow in joy? I think we can. But we need to make sure that we are connected because if we are not connected, no fruit. We're a useless branch. Chuck it away. Put it in the fire. There's nothing. Now, he does prune us. We understand that too. It talks about pruning here. But we're only pruned by God when we're remaining in him to produce more fruit. What prunes us? Disaster? No, it doesn't say that. It says, you've been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. His word comes and prunes us cuts off the things that we don't need so we can produce more fruit. And if you can do this, this is going to take a whole lot of pressure off you in your Christian life. The relationship with the Father, the relationship with the Son, because it really isn't about you anymore. This is about, I can produce fruit simply by this fact alone that I remain in Him. You get that? Stop trying so hard. Stop trying so hard. Stop beating yourself up because you're just not good enough. Stop it. Start to get to know him and out of that will flow everything you need to produce fruit. The fruit which is of him. Now, we know that every fruit belongs to the gardener, right? And when you start to produce this fruit, The fruit of that belongs to God and and it says here in John chapter 15 that it brings glory to him, brings glory to God. The fruit that you produce is an offering to him and that's, that's fine, isn't it? If I'm growing a fruit tree, I expect that the fruit belongs to me. God's working in your life, the fruit that produces belongs to him and it brings great glory to God. And so your life too brings glory to him. Everything that happens in your life because God's working through you brings glory to God. Isn't that good? So please, don't beat yourself up. Don't say, I can't do it. So just say this, God, I'm going to actually stay this time. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to remain until. I'm going to remain until. Until this hatred in my heart goes. Until this bitterness goes. I'm going to remain until this relationship's fixed. 
I'm going to remain until I see you. I'm going to remain until whatever it is. And we know that when we remain, his remaining, his abiding is so much stronger, so much greater, and he starts to work in you for his glory. Fantastic, right? (laughs) Okay. Okay.